Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name's Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we are finally living up to the name of our podcast, and I am excited, not even pretending to be excited, I'm actually excited to talk about Sealed with you. I know. So, spoiler alert, later on in the show notes, I wrote, I actually think I like Sealed more than Draft, and then Ben tacked on, I think I do too, what's happening to us? It's crazy. You know, we initially named the podcast Lords of Limited because we were like, well, we should probably talk about Sealed some. Are we ever really going to do that? No, but I think we actually are. I think we're probably going to commit to doing a Sealed episode for most formats that Ethan and I can stand to play 10 rounds of Sealed. And I think it's especially important with Modern Horizons. There's so many high level events that are going to be Modern Horizons Sealed. GPDC is ending today. We're recording on uh, day two of GPDC. There's going to be Seattle, I think, next week. Even down the line in August, GP Vegas is going to be Modern Horizons Sealed. So I think it's important for us to get some reps in and get some information out via our streams and via this podcast. Yeah, looking forward to it. So let's check in on that leaderboard in draft. I am still struggling a little bit, finding my way. Win rate's up a little bit this week. So I'm 23 drafts deep now. And I would like to note, I still have more drafts than you in this format, which is insane. Hashtag summer break. Yeah. 44 and 25 with four trophies, 64% win rate. And I have been to the finals in half of my drafts. I cannot believe you keep track of that. That is, you got to <laughs> stop doing that. It's so bad for you. <laughs> I am 22 drafts deep, 39 and 25, five trophies, 61% win rate. I think I have more drafts than that. I've just been, I've been playing on my laptop (laughs) backstage during this show that I'm in and not keeping track of stuff just because like I'll start a draft on my laptop and then finish it on my desktop and it's hard to like track all that stuff. So I'm sure I have more drafts than that that haven't been tracked, but that's what I've got a record of. How are you doing in Sealed? In Sealed, I've got six Sealeds under my belt, 21 and nine overall record, one trophy uh, and a 70% win rate. Plus, I had this sort of fiasco with the mocks yesterday. I signed up for the mocks and I disconnected twice during deck building. So I ended up building my pool pretty close to correctly, I think, in about two minutes after I finally got back on the second time and then lost round one and then was up a game in round two and MTGO disconnected me again and I ended up timing out of my match in round two. So I ended up dropping from the mocks and just playing some regular sealed yesterday. Nice. Uh, I'm nine sealed deep, 33 and 12, two trophies and a 73% win rate. Sealed is fun, man. It really is. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. It feels like most pools have a deck that's good or competitive to build, even if it's not totally nuts. And it feels like you're not playing against totally nuts decks a lot of the time because there aren't tons of busted rares. And even the rares that are really good are just value. It's not like you must answer this this turn or you lose the game on the spot type rares. Mm -hmm. They make for interesting games and there's play to them and you can get removal in most of your pools. I've enjoyed Sealed quite a bit. Yeah, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got a bit more housekeeping to do. And the first piece of housekeeping is to talk about that Lords of Limited Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. The show will always be free, but we do have some sweet perks. And the sweetest of all is for any level of donation to the show is access to the Lords of Limited Discord. We got to shout out some folks from the Discord this week, Ben, that crushed GPDC. Yeah, we had five folks that we know of, maybe more from the Lords of Limited Discord that day two'd. Jarvis U went nine and O DC sports eight Zach Dubin and Ari Lax both went eight one and I think we're in the same draft pod this morning mm-hmm. and Khan and Avasiris both went seven two so huge shout out to all those folks and thank you to everyone from the Lords of Limited Discord that has helped set them and us up for success 
Yeah, absolutely. We've got some uh, some pro tips from those folks coming at you later in the episode. And we want to make sure that we shout out each and every new patron the week that they join. And I'm going to bring Ben in on shouting these folks out. So we want to welcome aboard Xerix, Russell, David A, Adam, Toddage, Stephen, Hideous Hog, Josh, Phil, Jeffrey, Wen Hao Lu, Jesse, Randy, David I, Tyler, Alex, Renee, Alec, Gino, Dan, Brian, Marcus, William, Ashken, Levi, Jason ILTG, Dearly Divided, Frederick, Robert, and Lucas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. I really, really, really have appreciated the Discord these last two weeks more than anything else because I've not been able to find my footing super easily in this format. So I've been using it, you know, just as a tool to converse with people that are having success and figuring out what they're doing well and what they're doing that I'm not doing and trying to close that gap to get my win rate up. Yeah, the Discord has a mind of its own and I am happy to reap the benefits of that. We also recently partnered with Coalesce Apparel as we announced last week and in honor of LGBT Pride Month, they have a new transgender awareness shirt with Autumn Burchett. All proceeds from that shirt are going to go towards Trans Lifeline, a national trans-led 501c3 organization dedicated to improving the quality of trans lives. You can head over to their website at coalesceapparel.shop to check out all their unique designs, as well as that Knights of Autumn shirt. They've got a lot of other cool guilds of Ravnica, RNA guilds like Simic, Combine, all sort of like biotech university, all sort of made out to be college type shirts that are really sweet. And proud to announce that Lords of Limited shirts are coming in July and huge shout out to someone that went up to Cedric at GPDC and was like, hey, when are we getting these Lords of Limited t-shirts? I need to buy myself one. Yeah, we got an email from Cedric saying that that was really nice. So thanks to whoever went up to Cedric, really excited to partner with Coalesce and really excited to get those Lords of Limited shirts out to folks in July. Hopefully we get to see some people rocking those when we're out at uh, GP Vegas in August. Yeah. Spoiler alert, they're going to have on the back hashtag I'm with Ben or hashtag I'm with Ethan. So choose your side carefully. I have an idea of which is going to sell better than the other. I'm sure yours are. (laughs) Doubtful. I doubt that. Oh, boy. Okay, so let's dive in. Uh, I've got some general sealed thoughts here. Ben's going to attack on some ideas at the end and uh, just we'll we'll sort of flow through these things. So obviously, there are going to be exceptions to these, but I believe these to be the rules after my experience playing through nine different sealed decks on Magic Online. I think you want to choose to be on the play. So a lot of my thoughts about this sealed format stem from and I did like sort of tweet a TLDR thing out there that's going to have a lot of these thoughts as well. But we're going to get into them a little bit more specifically. So I think there's an abundance of good two drops in the set. And that's sort of where all of my thoughts about the format sort of stem from. So everyone is able to get on board early. I think if you choose to draw as like, you know, in Ravnica Allegiance, which was the other most recent sealed format that I prepped a lot for because I played in a GP for it. I felt like that was a like you want to build a good, consistent deck with a curve, but you also want to be on the draw because the extra card matters here. I think you want to be on the play because I think if you're on the draw, you're going to be too far behind if everyone has access to these good two drops. And a lot of these two drops, things like Bladeback Sliver, Eye Kite, Mother Bear, Enduring Sliver, these are all cards that are not only good to play on turn two, but they're good later in the game. Like you're not mad about drawing a Mother Bear later because you can cash it in, you know, maybe even chump with it and then you get two more two twos. Like it's a place to put mana, Enduring Sliver again, a place to put mana or do something with it as the games progress. So you're not like getting this sort of advantage as you might often feel if you were to open a pool that has like, oh wow, I have a, a deck that has like five two drops that's not really unique in this particular format i don't think 
Yeah, I agree. Decks can get on board early. And I think the other reason that to want to be on the play is this is still a synergy format. I think the sealed decks I've had that have performed the best have had synergy or pockets of synergy or combos of cards that do some busted stuff in tandem with each other. And if you're on the play, you get to do that stuff before your opponent does, which I think is really strong. And oftentimes, I haven't had the chance to play with ninjas yet, but I've been playing against ninjas. You know, if you choose to draw against a ninja's deck in the dark, you're just sunk. And there are just ninjas sealed decks out there. I've played against a lot of them in the six or seven seals I've done. Yeah, I agree with that. The most impressive aggressive decks that I've found have been blue black ninjas and green white creature fall. And I think the fact that those decks can be quite good and snowbally is another reason that you want to be on the play. Next thing we've got on here is build a deck that has value engines. And I think this is super important because the best decks are going to have those beatdown draws where, you know, you curve out with Rhymestag into a three drop into Trumpeting Herd and you just smash your opponent. But the green white decks or whatever deck, take any deck, also has opportunities for huge value engines with Squirrel Nest or a blue deck with something like Future Sight or Mirrodin Besieged. There are these engine cards that have cards that allow you to really compete into the late game. Yeah, I think that even like the beatdown decks, as you said, need to have plans for the late game because, again, I'm going to return to this thought time and again, is that even the control decks are going to have good two drops. So like even if you're an aggro deck trying to face this control deck and like get under them, they're probably going to be able to get on board and disrupt your plan. And so if that happens, then what does your deck do to combat that? And if you are the green white deck, for example, then you're going to really be happy if you have something like a squirrel nest or even like a copy of Recruit the Worthy I've found to be very good in those green white decks is just like, this is something I can do with my mana. It's going to consistently impact my creature fall triggers that I already have on the battlefield, like my bellowing elk or whatever, like all of those things I think are important to think about not only being like, well, I have my, my plan a of beating down, but what's my plan B if we get into board stall mid to late game. And I have found most games to be pretty grindy in this format. I have as well. And another key to breaking those board stalls in addition to value engines has been flyers. I've been very impressed with anything that has the text flying on it in this format, including answered prayers or unanswered prayers. The one white, white enchantment that turns into a flyer that dodges all the sorcery speed removal. That card has been pretty annoying to deal with. And also makes racing really tough for your opponent. Yeah, I I just played a green, white creature fall sealed deck that went 4-1 yesterday. And I had two copies of answered prayers and I was really impressed by that card. The next point on this list is something I feel really strongly about. And, you know, again, exceptions to the rule, my green-white deck that I just played was a 17-lander, but I think more often than not, this is an 18-land format. So you want to play first. You don't want to mulligan. You know, being on the draw in sealed mitigates some mulligan decisions because, like, mulling to six on the draw doesn't really matter. Then you're even on cards with your opponent. But if you know that you're going to be on the play, you really don't want to mulligan because I think quantity of cards really matters in this format, even though there are a lot of two-for-ones that you can get. But you don't want to mulligan. You really want to hit your land drops on time and there are a lot of places to sculpt your draws to put mana right you got the uncommon mana cyclers there's a lot of card draw in blue that you're either playing as your main color or maybe trying to splash for if you're fixing allows for it there's tons of mana sinks you know think about some of the two drops i named like mother bear or enduring sliver there's even like you know hollowhead sliver to filter through your deck there's just a lot of places to mitigate flood and there's not a lot of things that help you deal with being mana screwed so i've been very happy running 18 lands almost all the time i've been probably split evenly between 17 and 18 in my pools i found myself playing 17 lands when i've got multiple astrolabes i've had a couple pools with two to three astrolabes as well as sometimes i've had pools that really wanted to splash that had to rely on talismans or fountain of vicar and when i've been doing that and i have two to three of those type of cards i found myself playing 17 lands especially when i don't have 
on-color cycling lands, but I agree. As soon as you've got like one to two on-color cycling lands, it's almost just an automatic 18 lands. Yeah. Next point we have here is check your synergies. So sealed typically is more about raw power level than synergy, and that's probably true even in Modern Horizons 1, but you still really want to look for synergy. So stuff to think about. Do your Snowlands let you play Astrolabe, which I think is one of the key decks in this format that you mm-hmm. know most pools either have or they don't, and when they have it, it's very good. Or do your Snowlands turn on anything else? Do you have Snow Payoffs? Do you have Rhyme Tenders? Do you have the Worm that pumps itself equal to the number of Snow Permanents? Do you have a few discard outlets for your first Spear Gargantuan? Do you have Birthing Bows in tandem with Synergy or other Changeling cards in tandem with Tribal Synergy? All of that stuff is important to look for and I think will help lead to good deck building in the sealed format. And I think they're all ways to make your deck greater than the sum of its parts, which is really important in the sealed format. My most successful decks have had a lot of Synergy and have had focused plans. My one trophy deck was like a green-red pre-constructed deck. It had a very strong bear Synergy with a Eula. It had had cares about land stuff going on it had all of the cards work together in tandem i've had a green black hogak deck with ways to dump stuff into my graveyard able to cast hogak multiple times so i think just looking out for synergies and ways that your pool points you in a direction if you don't have the ability to build like a five color astrolabe deck or a five color spring bloom druid deck i think this is one of the reasons i like this format so much is that it's such a fun puzzle trying to like eke out all those little i mean i love this phrase that quarter calls coined pockets of synergy just figuring out like oh i have the untapped sliver and i have enduring sliver is that worth moving into white blue for is that worth splashing either of those slivers in this deck for because if i can assemble that that's going to be greater than the sum of its parts and that sort of stuff is going to set your deck ahead multiple percentage points i think to that point your lands are going to dictate a lot of what you can do now this is going to seem maybe a little weird coming off of like ravnica allegiance and guilds of ravnica where your guild gates were so important to your mana base right you really have looked to your gates after your rares as like well what can my deck do like what base color do i have what splash do i have access to it's not quite to that extent but it's close like the cycling lands are really important and the horizon lands let you splash and are also like ways to mitigate flood and then you can cash them in for cards and the snowlands are going to make a lot of other cards in your pile better right like we're going to talk about arkham's astrolabe a lot today that card is ridiculous it's really worth trying to make work since it enables the five color best card deck and i do think that like blue green snow matters is one of the better decks in the format one because it enables splashing with astrolabe spring bloom druid and crows and tusker but also like the cards that you mentioned like turning on winter's rest into a real removal spell that's like pretty good even though i've not been super impressed by that card in sealed but like conifer worm is an absurd card that just wins games if you've got like you know three four snow permanents in play it's just that deck i think being able to enable all those little cards making the frost walla a playable three mana two two that like has a threat of activation all that stuff i think adds up to a really good deck in the set yeah speaking of conifer worm quick shout out to dc sports 8 on his feature match he had conifer worm on camera with double threat of activation up and it was threatening to be like a 14 14 trample or something stupid and reed duke was just like wow cards doing work yeah for sure that was such a cool match Fountain of Vickers also really playable if you don't maybe get this other premium type fixing. And I think the Talismans in a pinch, but only if you're looking to splash. I wouldn't be playing the Talismans just looking to ramp. 
And then Kroos and Tusker can do a fair job too. I'm fine playing Kroos and Tusker in sealed. I'm really off of that card in draft right now, but I think it does serious work in sealed and Springbloom Druid is another premium way to fix. Like I would say Astrolabe, if you get the Snowlands right, is number one. And then number two is Springbloom Druid has like clear head and shoulders above the rest of the way to fix in the format. Yeah, I would say the order of things I do when I open a pool is I look at my rares, which are generally unexciting. I feel like I've not really had a pool with like, if I have two rares that I'm excited to play, that's above average. The rares are mostly clunkers in this set, which is I think one of the reasons I like this sealed format. And that's so why I go rares to lands to what are my artifacts, like basically just hunting for Astrolabe. And then I look at green for Crows and Tuskers and Springbloom Druids. I want to know what my mana base options are. I agree. Where are you at in terms of the best decks in the format or the decks you're like happiest to play or like least happy to face? I think it feels pretty similar to draft. You know, if you get the synergies there, if you get the astrolabes, I think blue green XXX snow is one of the best things you can do in the sealed format, especially if you get the stuff like conifer worm or the abominable tree full mm-hmm. past that the Grixis color pair decks have impressed. If you get the synergy green, white creature fall has been pretty mean green. I've face down a couple green white creature fall decks late in the rounds one time lost to it in the finals of a 5-0 league i've not been particularly impressed by red white black white or blue white and sealed and white has felt borderline unplayable in almost every single pool i've opened so i've opened eight pools now and never once have i wanted to be white as a base color the most i've done is like splashed settle beyond reality as a good removal spell yeah i had uh, i would say the white green deck i think is the best home for white but again i think that comes together super rarely and i think i built white green twice one time it was strong the four one and i think another time at two three just like didn't quite get there and here's a question for you because i know we preached this before with like i think every other sealed format but are you building multiple decks and like siding between them often i've had two decks but it's been rare that there have been more than two decks that i've wanted to build frequently it's been like a five color nonsense stuff and then whatever the closest i can come to a streamlined beatdown deck is but usually i've found a set of cards that work well together to be the dominant synergy in my pool and i've tried to build my pool around that or you know i've found that i've had self-contained synergy in one color and I have to play green because it's got self-contained synergy in green and then just maybe building like green, blue, green, red, green, black, something like that. Yeah, I found the same thing. Like there have been times where I've had pools with multiple decks in them, but very often even there, there's a clear best deck and it's rare that I could think of a situation where I would want to not play that deck. So this is a, it feels like a unique sealed format in that regard that I don't feel like there's a lot of swapping between two decks, though I think it can happen for sure. We saw, I think that happen on coverage yesterday later in the day but i i just think that's going to be pretty rare and you and i were planning to do this episode but we didn't do a ton of talking about seal during the week and i think we independently came to a lot of these same conclusions and i think this one is my most important key to the sealed format and i think you feel pretty strongly about it as well and that point is that interaction is a must so one of the reasons that having good fixing in this format leads to better decks is that it allows you to play the one color requirement removal at common that kills anything. So we're talking about mob and settle beyond reality. And I'd think, say magmatic sinkhole to an extent. Bounce from blue in mana war and uh, spring of disappearances. Savage swipe even sometimes from green helps as well. You have to have ways to disrupt the synergies on your opponent's side of the battlefield, right? Think about just an innocuous card like Bladeback Sliver. Eventually that can kill you, right? And that's a two mana 2-2 two, two at common. 
So you can't be in a place where like your deck just folds to a card like that, or you have like one copy of removal in your deck, and then you have to fire it off on that because you know you'll die to it eventually. You just have to have multiple ways to disrupt what's happening on your opponent's side of the battlefield. Yeah, hard agree on that for me. I think sort of a light bulb moment I had this week in the set was that almost all of the synergy that exists in the format exists between creatures working well together on the battlefield. And I think, you know, if you have removal to disrupt one or two of those key creatures that are allowing your opponent's other creatures to snowball, your opponent's board oftentimes goes from very scary to not so scary at all. And I think if you don't have any removal or any interaction and your opponent just gets to do their thing, you're just going to get left in the dust as far as synergy and power level goes. And oftentimes all it takes is one removal spell to really put your opponent on the back foot or wrong foot them or really make it so what they're doing isn't quite as powerful. Yeah, so we're going to post a couple links to some tweets that I made. I've been pretty good about tweeting out all of my sealed decks and their records and like thoughts about them. And there's one here that I built on stream, and it actually started off 2-0 and then ended up 2-3. And I think my reaction to the deck and I think a lot of chat's reaction to the deck was that it looked absurd. I mean, it's a really strong-looking ninja deck. It has Ingenious Infiltrator. That's the blue-black uncommon. It has Fallen Shinobi. That's the blue-black rare ninja. It has just like a lot of cheap ways to enable ninjutsu with two changeling outcasts and one fairy seer. But if you look at this deck, its ways to interact are one copy of Defile and Crypt Rats. And that's it. That's all I had in blue-black as ways to interact. And if my opponent was able to disrupt my like cheap ninja enablers, kill the outcast or the fairy seer, I was basically just done. And if they played anything bigger than like a 3-3, I couldn't kill it because all of my removal was Swamp Matters kill spells and Crypt Rats and Defile. So this deck, like I think on face value, looks pretty strong. Like this looks more like a draft deck than it does a sealed deck because of how streamlined it is. But it also just folds to large creatures and doesn't have a lot of ways to punch through a brick wall, you know? Yeah, there's also a Miss Syndicate Naga sitting here, which is the blue rare copy itself ninja. This looks absurd. If you had showed me this prior to testing sealed, I would have said this was a 5-0 sealed deck list. And now that I've had a chance to play and I know how important removal is, I, it doesn't shock me that this deck went 2-3. And especially, you know, if you weren't on the play consistently, I think this deck's also going to suffer from being on the draw. Or if you don't draw your key enablers like the Changeling Outcast of the Fairy Seer early, and like you said, those surviving, all it takes is a Firebolt from your opponent on Changeling Outcast, and your deck is significantly worse. Yeah. Look at that deck, and then thinking about like, well, that looks great, and it didn't do well. And I'm looking at it, and my, after playing with it, I wasn't surprised. I was like, I just didn't have any way to interact. And I think it's so, so important. Yeah. And our last point here is that Sealed is a blast. I think that's true for both of us. And I don't think I've ever said that about Sealed in my life ever. But I think it's due to a lack of bombs. And it feels a lot less about what you open and more about how creative you can be with how you build your deck and understanding the format and knowing how important removal and interaction is. And if you have those pieces, if you have some removal, some interaction, some synergy of your own, I think you have a puncher's chance in almost every round. I've been thinking a lot about this because I am continuing to play sealed, like even off stream, even like probably beyond this week, I'll continue to play sealed with this format. And I think it's because one, it feels very poppery in sealed because there's just like not a lot of bombs to open. And so I feel like I have an edge in terms of deck building against the field. 
But two, I think it suffers from league play and not pod play and draft because just the sorts of things that some people are going to be able to assemble in draft, like nuts snow decks or nuts creature fall decks or blue red draw decks or whatever, like the best versions of these two color archetypes, I think will feel somewhat nuttier outside of your own pod play than they will in pod you'll be like all right well there was this deck available at the seat like i feel like there's lots of times where i'm like how did people let you assemble this nuts deck in draft you know right yeah so i don't know that, that's sort of been my thought but i think this format is super fun so i have a few thoughts on sealed as well just to throw out there into the world and sort of it's more of i think what ethan and i laid out there was just general like good stuff to do for sealed this is what i want to do and questions I want to ask myself when I sit down to build my pool. And I sort of feel like I have a recipe or a formula now at this point after doing seven or eight of these. So the first thing I want to check is, do I have multiple Arkham's Astrolabes? And what does that mean for my deck? So if I do have two to three Arkham's Astrolabes, the first thing I'm trying to build is a multicolor snow deck with all six of my snow lands or five, you know, if I can't get all six snow lands in there. I think if you have two Astrolabes, you need all six snow lands. If you only have one Astrolabe, I think you can probably get away with five snow lands, which if you had told me that before actually playing sealed, I would have said, uh, that doesn't sound like it's going to work, but it really does. Even if you don't have many snow payoffs, I think Arkham's Astrolabe is a payoff in and of itself. And it means that you get to play four to five colors and splash all your good cards for free, which is really powerful. So here's something that I feel like we need to talk about. Earlier in the week, we had Zach Attack, who was at the time the Phantom Draft Trophy Leader, and I think is still atop that board. And Sasha, a dude who is a friend of the podcast and has Skyped into both of our streams, they were both in your chat. And they both said, and I don't think they were joking, that Arkham's Astrolabe is the best common in the set, in draft. What do you think about that? It doesn't sound crazy to me, except I feel like that's such the hotness right now in draft that it mm -hmm. feels difficult to get that deck to come together because Ben S has also been streaming the four to five color snow deck. So I think a lot of people that watch his stream, and I think there are a lot of really good players that are coming out of the woodworks to play Modern Horizons draft on MTGO, that that deck feels really hotly contested to me right now. So while it might be one of the top commons in the set, I think it suffers a little bit from everybody trying to do that right now. I think that was true maybe that week when those guys had figured that out before everyone else. But now that everyone else is on it, I'm not sure it's quite as viable. Yeah, that's interesting. But how crazy is that? Like, that's a card that I don't think was on my radar at all a week ago. And I've really like changed my tune. I mean, like last week we were talking about archetypes and I was like, blue green's a powerful deck, but it's too hard to draft. And so I'm going to like stay away from drafting snow stuff. And now all I want to do is force snow decks. <laughs> With Arkham's Astrolabe? I just want to draft Arkham's Astrolabe and Iceberg Cankrix and snow permanence. That's all I want to do. I think the key to getting the snow deck to come together reliably is to pick Arkham's Astrolabe and Spring Bloom Druid really highly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Speaking of, that brings me to my next point for what I'm looking for in my sealed pool, which is, do I have multiple Spring Bloom Druid? And again, I think that enables a base green multicolor deck where you just have to have opened good cards and splashable removal. And if you have two to three Spring Bloom Druids, that means great, I get to do all that stuff. And once I get past Arkham's Astrolabe and Spring Bloom Druid, I'm way less excited about splashing if I have to use Fountain of Vicar or the Talismans to do it because those take up real card slots in your deck. And I think ultimately it ends up being a fair cost that you have to pay 
to be able to splash cards of other colors. Yeah, I've actually I've not been mad about Fountain Vicar again, just because it's not super dead late in the game. Like it can become a three three, which is generally a relevant body in this format because it's just a format of a bunch of good two twos. So I've not been mad about that, but I definitely agree that like I'm not super excited about throwing that in the deck because you still have to basically play 18 lands to make sure you can cast your three mana mana rock on time. Yeah, that's the rub that I found with Fountain and Talismans is that I found that my decks are way more prone to flooding out because oftentimes I've got 20 or 21 mana sources in my deck. Right. And the last thing I really want to check for when I'm opening my sealed pool is then if I don't have those two things going on, the Astrolabe and the Druid, do I have archetype defining rares or gold uncommons and the synergy support for those archetypes in their color pairs? And if that's the case, I'm probably immediately trying to build a streamlined two color deck if I have any amount of removal in those colors as well. So for example, say you open a Eula with some bears. I'm immediately looking for green, I'm looking for savage swipes, and then I'm looking for a color to pair that with. Or I've opened Hogak before with support for it in green-black, and it was a really strong deck. I also had a four or five color snow deck available in that pool, but the green-black streamlined Hogak deck ended up being the better deck out of the two, I think. So just checking to make sure, or do you have two Thundering Gins? Do you have blue-red card draw support? And if that sort of stuff exists, I think looking to build those decks is pretty optimal. Yeah, I agree. I, I think a lot of those gold uncommons like Thundering Gin or Rot Widow Pack, those are really powerful cards and more often going to come up in your pools because they're uncommon and are like rare level powerful cards that I think you want to try and make sure those make your deck more often than not. Yeah, there were a lot of Rot Widow packs floating around the 8190 deck list that I've been looking at. Mm -hmm. Which takes us to pro tips from people who day tued Copenhagen or DC from the Lords of Limited Discord. So huge shout out again to Zach Dubin, DC Sports 8, Khan, Arilax, Jarvis U, and Avasaris, and anyone else that made up day two that we might have missed, we would appreciate in the future if you'd share your success in the Lords of Limited Discord. Yeah, so from Zach, he said his opponents bemoaned that their pool's lack of removal across the board dictated the colors they had to play. And so his key was figuring out how far you can stretch the boundaries for removal without sacrificing consistency. You know, I think people tease Zach a lot in the Discord about like his sort of generous mana bases. He's very willing to stretch the boundaries of what his lands can do. I think he was, did he splash the Sarah, the benevolent yes. planeswalker? Yeah. With like two planes or something in addition to other fixing. But, you know, he's very willing to stretch his mana base. And I think, you know, you got to be comfortable with that. I think it's sometimes beyond what I would advise. But I do think stretching your mana base for interaction is pretty important. Zach posted his pool in the Lords of Limited Discord with I should not, all caps, be playing Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and had two Spring Bloom Druids. It looked semi-responsible when I was looking at the mana base. I mean, Zach's a good player and he knows how to build mana bases. Next up, we have Ari Lax, who agreed with Zach about the removal and had a bunch of other stuff to add. First of which is, when building, you should account for aggression on either side, which is something that you and I talked about just with the good two drops that are prevalent in the format, as well as the idea that common six drops that aren't named Marasa Behemoth or are very flexible, which I think is probably a shout out to the Avon Wind Caller. That's the four blue blue, four three flyer. That card's been super impressive in sealed. And probably first sphere Gargantua if you have some discard outlets. Right, I would add that to the list as well. Any six drops that aren't those three cards that are common are kind of meh. Ari added that he said the top tables were fairly split between really removal splash heavy green decks and low curve assertive decks. And I think he also identified that removal was 
one of the most important things, again, for the same reason as we said, is that you really need to break up small synergies from your opponent. And oftentimes that's all it takes because they didn't get to draft their deck. So they might have synergy and it might be really powerful, but it's only going to be between a few cards. And if you can pick off one of those few key pieces, oftentimes you can sort of neuter other cards in the rest of their deck. Can I tell you one of the sweetest things that I did earlier in the week in Sealed? Please do. I was playing against someone who had Rot Widow Pack on the splash. I had seen two swamps from them, and they had one in play, and then the other one got milled from a winding way. And then I fired off my main deck Geomancer's Gambit, which I was playing main deck to enable a splash for myself, basically. (laughs) You monster. So I fired off Geomancer's Gambit on their second swamp to stop them from being able to activate Rot Widow Pack, and that's what won me that game. That is, in fact, sweet. And if I were your opponent, I would be super <laughs> tilted. <laughs> so uh, Geomancer's Gambit, all-star card in the format. You heard it here first. And I think Arya also is probably agreeing with the idea of wanting to be on the play. The last thing he said was there are a ton of good rares, but all of them are surmountable if you get ahead because there are a lot of ways in the format to kill someone who's fallen behind. There's a lot of reach, you know, the Rot Widow Spider. There's burn that points to the face. There's ways to make your board go wide around your opponent that's trying to protect their life total. Jarvis Yu, who went 9-0 with Sultai, said just play all your good cards was an effective strategy. Um, You can check out his Twitter. He posted his deck and said that standout cards were Future Sight and Rot Widow Pack, neither of which surprises me very much. What luck to be able to open Future Sight and have the blue to support it. The deck was greedy, I think. I mean, it was straight Sultai. He had good fixing. He had Spring Bloom Druid. He had an Astrolabe, but the Future Sight was not particularly easy to cast. He was almost base green black with the fixing to go grab and cast the future site it was Mm -hmm. definitely a very grindy looking deck and i think very cool deck to check out oh yeah i'm looking at the deck right now he only has two islands and he's playing future site that's insane wow okay cool from Khan says getting a second opinion on their build was a key to their success. They talked with DC, who gave them feedback. They initially built black, green, blue with a light splash of blue for a high power, high variance deck. And then after talking with DC, switched to a base green, white splash black deck after every game won, regardless of a win or a loss, for a more consistent deck that had good aggressive draws. And lastly, we got Adversaris saying that identifying synergy, again, we're going to be echoing a lot of stuff that we said, identifying synergy is important. The set has more synergy at common on common, so it's less about straight bombs because there aren't many to go around. They said that sealed was slow, but did you really want to be on the play to hit your combo or value first and be able to protect it? Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. Like, I guess it is slower than draft in a way, but it doesn't feel slow in the sense that like, it's not like it's no rush magic. You can't afford to do nothing in the early turns. So it's not slow in that regard, but it is slow in that the games usually grind out to like double digit turns more often than not. Right. It's like War of the Spark slow. You have to be on the board. You have to be impacting the board early, but oftentimes the games go long and there are really powerful things going on in the late game. They said being ready to sideboard to other decks is extremely important if you have that ability based on a poor matchup. I would agree with that. And sideboarding on the play or draw is very important to consider when you're playing with or against ninjutsu. And ninjas are much scarier on the play. I've found that same thing as well in Sealed. When I've been playing against a ninjas deck and I've been the one on the play, I have felt great about playing against ninjas. And if they get to be on the play twice, I feel like I'm in a pretty tough spot. I would agree with that. Uh, And then anything, again, that generates value over a long game for minimal cost is great. Think Squirrel Nest or Mirrodin Besieged. And Spring Bloom Druid is absurd. It's one of the first things they're looking for in a pool. And I think you and I would agree with that. Yeah, and Channel Fireball this weekend tweeted out 
the 490 GP Copenhagen deckless. And if you take a look at them, three of them were the three plus color Arkham's Astrolabe slash Spring Bloom Druid type decks that we've been talking about, where, you know, those cards enable you to splash your powerful cards and your good removal. And they definitely had, you know, high quality rares and high quality removal. And the fourth one that went 9-0 was sort of a green-white beatdown deck with Hexdrinker and Sarah the Benevolent. And Hexdrinker, can confirm I've played against that, it is busted in half and sealed because oftentimes the games go long enough where you can just wait to set up your hex drinker as a 6-6 protection from everything, and your opponent never really gets a chance to interact with it. For sure. I wanted to take folks through one of my uh, sealed pools, one of the ones that I think was successful, but also had multiple builds that I think are worth talking about here. So we'll link this in the show notes as well. This is linked to one, a, a tweet of a, a 5-0 deck that I had. This was my fourth sealed pool. But the first time that I had really had multiple builds, so I want to talk about the, the two decks that I didn't end up playing, and then we'll talk about the deck that I did end up playing here. So one of them that I had access to was a red-black sort of streamlined aggro deck here. You know, it's got nothing fancy or anything, but a really good curve and good removal. I have two Defiles and an Igneous Elemental. It has access to two Ravenous Giants, which are just keyword big. I've got a Munitions Expert, which is the Black Red Gold Uncommon that can help pick something off with some Goblin Synergies and like a couple Orcish Hellraisers, so like a good curve of stuff. And I did end up siding into this deck a couple times, but this sort of falls into, this looks like a good sealed deck in any other format, but this doesn't really have the like value engines that I'm looking for in a good sealed deck yeah i agree looking at this deck it looks fine it also looks pretty vulnerable to flood or screw i mean you have a barren moor a fiery islet and a nurturing peatland in your lands i guess that are going to help you avoid the flood part of it but just looking at this deck it has no flying it has no evasion and only a couple removal spells so it definitely looks tough for this deck to win if the game goes long at all that would be what i would be concerned about with this deck yeah this deck is also running a diabolic edict as well as two defiles as its like main sources of removal so I thought the way I thought about this deck was like I ended up not running it and I ended up thinking I'll side into this, especially if I feel like I'm in a matchup where the edicts are going to be good. Like if I'm playing against cheap creatures, but cheap creatures that aren't like mother bear or things that are going to like punish me for running edicts or like defiles, I wanted to be in a matchup where I thought I could double spell really effectively against players and get ahead. So that's when I, I did side into this deck. The other deck that I didn't end up playing, but like looked okay to me, I have sort of like a green white deck that's splashing red for a Lava Belly Sliver and a Ruination Rioter. It's trying to take advantage of some Changeling synergies with double Irregular Cohort and a Birthing Bows. But this deck doesn't have a lot of ways to interact, right? There's one Settle Beyond Reality and like one Winds of Abandon, which is the rare like Path to Exile with Overload. But other than that, I don't have ways to like bust through what my opponent is doing. Yeah, this deck again looks like it's powerful, but it's going to end up in a lot of board stalls and you don't have many ways to make those board stalls end or turn in your favor other than Birthing Bows. And so that's going to lead us to the deck that I did end up running that I really didn't think was that good or like that consistent, but it's a blue-green Snow Matters multicolor deck. So it's base blue-green, but it is splashing white for Settle Beyond Reality, Winds of Abandon, and Good Fortune Unicorn, and splashing black for Rotwood Opac. And I think the important thing to note here is that I get to play six, I think I had seven total snow lands. One was foil, but I got to play six of my seven snow lands to enable an Arkham's Astrolabe and a Rhyme Tender for some ramp and uh, abilities for double fixing. 
this deck really played out super well. I mean, getting to splash the good removal, getting good card draw from blue and double scour all possibilities in Pondering Mage. It has interaction with Winds of Abandon, Mana War, Settle Beyond Reality, even sort of like choking tethers in a pinch as a way to interact for a turn. This deck actually had real game and did did end up 5-0-ing. Yeah, so we'll link this in the show notes. And I think the things that stand out to me about this deck are one, it's got good mana because you have Arkham's Astrolabe and Fountain of Vicar. So that enables your splashes. Two, Winds of Abandon is busted and can win you the game single-handedly, and you have the ability to cast that, you know, somewhat reliably in this deck. So you've got five-ish ways to make white here, so not out of the realm of possibility that you're going to be overloading Winds of Abandon. And then has some cards that just single-handedly win the game on their own in Conifer Worm and Rot Widow Pack. And I think that's the type of thing your other two decks were lacking, is just cards that can absolutely take over a game like that and punch through whatever's happening on the board. Neither of those care if the board stalled out. Right. I think that's the important thing to note. Like, you know, we're talking about flying being super important and sealed, but that doesn't have to be the only thing that is good at like breaking through board stalls. And I think both Conifer Worm and Rot Widow Pack fit the bill there as well. And the other thing is this deck has good early plays. You've got two Mother Bears, you've got an Eye Kite, you've got Mana War. You know, if you get off on the wrong foot, Mana War solves a lot of problems if you get on the back foot to start a game of Magic. Super impressed by this deck, and I don't think was something that I... This was early on, right? This was my fourth sealed pool. So this was sort of before I realized, like, this This is one of the best decks in the format, I think, is Blue, Green, Snow, where you have the fixing to play all your good stuff. And I think it's, it's important to note that, like, not only do I have all the snow lands, but I get to play two Horizon lands and a cycling land in this deck. Right. So you're going to hit your land drops and you're probably not going to flood out, which is really strong. We've got a list of cards here that are performing better in sealed than they perform in drafts. So some overperformers in regards to their performance in sealed deck. And first is just anything that has the text flying on it. And I would specifically say a shout out to two cards that have really impressed me, which are Windcaller Aven and Wall of 1000 Cuts. Windcaller Aven just as a six drop, that's the four blue blue for a four three flyer with cycling that can be relevant in the early game or maybe can ambush an opponent's early flyer if you give one of your own creatures flying when you cycle it. Maybe lead to a little two for one action and or just a threat that must be answered when it comes down on turn six. And then wall of a thousand cuts, the three white, white, three, five with flying that can attack as though it didn't have defender. If you pay a white, just brick walls the game. It's really hard to attack into. And then if your opponent doesn't have great flying defense, oftentimes it closes out the game on its own. Mirrored and Besieged is a card that I have been really impressed by. I think I played it in my first sealed pool that was my other 5-0, and I had not played with it yet. I had sort of eyeballed the card. I mean, it's basically, like, the way to think about Mirrored and Besieged is it's basically just a three-mana looter that they can't kill that also you can't misplay with because it forces you to loot every turn. <laughs> and I think when you think about it like that, it's really good. Like, you'd play, you'd play a three-mana looter with Hexproof or whatever, and that's what this is, basically. Even better, because like can't got, die to Crypt Rats or any other sweeper. So I think it's just a good card in Sealed because you want those value engines. I've been really happy to get it down early and then just be able to like reap the benefits of it throughout the game and then be very terrified that it's going to deck me by the end of the game. I've come close many times, but it's just a really strong card, and I would look to like even splash it if I could if I wasn't base blue. Yeah, I've felt the same when I've played with it. I've played with it in one of my sealed decks and it was very strong. And again, I also came down close to decking, but the card advantage that you accrue and the card selection that you accrue over the course of the game makes it pretty likely that you're going to be able to find a way to win. Answered Prayers is another one. We shouted that out earlier that has really impressed me. That's the one white, white enchantment that whenever a creature enters the battlefield on your side turns into a 3-3 flyer and you gain a life. That card just makes it difficult to race. It dodges all sorcery speed removal and is a very real clock on your opponents. There's been times I'm just thinking, can I top deck a creature to turn on my answered prayers to get in the last two hits to kill my opponent? 
First Sphere Gargantua is a card that I think is better in sealed than draft. One, because like you just like that two for one quality of it. But if you can get any sort of like little synergy, like let's say you have a Mirrodin Besieged and you can discard it or, you know, other ways to get it into your graveyard, say off of a winding way or something. If you have ways that like it's just going to find its way into your graveyard and then just be a like a Lava Axe draw card. I think that's a really good card to find room for in your deck. I've just been impressed by my opponents casting that on turn six as well. When it comes down as a 5-4 draw card, and then you know if you deal with it, it's coming back again for another turn to hit you, and they get to draw another card, that's a threat, a very real threat from your opponent. Yep. Bellowing Elk is another one that's really impressed me in Sealed. I like this card in Draft as well, if you're an aggressive green-white deck, but in Sealed, it's a problem for your opponent. You know, oftentimes this has to eat a removal spell. If you have any ways to generate creatures at instant speed like Squirrel Nest or Recruit the Worthy, the three and a white instant with buyback that lets you make a 1-1 soldier token, all of those things turn this into a real force. And even if not, you know, if you can just curve into this and then keep playing some creatures, it forces your opponent to chump block or let their life total go dangerously low before they can deal with it. I love how you call Recruit the Worthy the three and a white spell with buyback. It doesn't even occur to you that you could cast it for a single white. I know you can, but that's not (laughs) its most often used mode. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Webweaver Changeling is another card that I think is an overperformer. You know, in draft, I think you just have a lot of access to like five and six mana spells that are impactful. And this isn't really one of them. But in sealed, a five life matters a lot. The three five body with reach reach being the key thing here really matters a lot the fact that it's a changeling that can turn on some synergies matters a lot all of that just adds up to a card that i think i'm i'm pretty happy to play Cross and tusker is another one on this list i am super off of this card in draft i really don't want to be doing something on turn three that doesn't impact the board but in sealed i think you know especially if you've got a turn two play you can afford to take turn three off to draw a card and search up your splash land i think Cross and tusker is probably the next most premium way to enable splashes after astrolabe and Springbloom druid and i'm happy to include it in my deck if i'm a base green deck that wants to splash so i think this is an overperformer for me in the sense that i'm pretty off of it in draft but i think it does a good job and sealed birthing bows is another card that i think is like pretty much unplayable in draft but can actually be quite good in sealed this is the changeling maker the three mana artifact you can pay four to make a two two changeling it's pretty good i mean it turns on a bunch of synergies it's a place to put mana late in the game it's an engine like it's gonna take over the game eventually if you're in a board stall i just don't think there's time for that in draft but in sealed i think that can generally be pretty good Next on the list, we've got the Talismans and Fountain of Icker. Just those mana fixers and mana rampers that are not named Astrolabor Springbloom Druid still do a good job in letting you splash. So important to be aware that you should be including those cards in your deck if you're looking to splash and you're not base green. I think that's generally when I'm playing those cards. Or maybe I'm base green with only a single Springbloom Druid or something like that, and I need a second free source you know, to splash two different colors or something. You've got Reap the Past on this list. Isn't this card just great in draft too? Probably, but it's absolutely absurd and sealed. Yeah, that's fair. So this is the X red green rare that lets you return X cards from your graveyard to your hand at random or X cards at random from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, I mean, this is absurd. If you like like this is the last card you play and you return like this is a draw five or whatever late in the game, you're just going to win. I had a pretty sweet line where I reaped the past like seven out of my eight cards in my graveyard and I was relying on hitting land plus spore frog to not die. And I hit that, and then I was able to get the Genesis Spore Frog loop going. It was pretty sick. 
I have not had the pleasure of playing that or the displeasure of playing against it, but that's a pretty sweet combo that I totally missed when I was looking at this set. Yeah, it's really good. The first time I found out about it, my opponent played a Spore Frog and I was streaming and I was like, I got this easy. My opponent played Spore Frog. They don't know what they're doing. That's not worth a card. And then my opponent played Genesis and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I can never do combat damage ever again. And I had to concede. It was kind of a bummer. Yeah, they just got a four mana repeatable fog. Pretty gross. Next on the list, we have Collector Oof. And I mean oof in the sense of double O-F if you are relying on Arkham's Astrolabes. So my opponent played a Collector Oof against me and I was the Arkham's Astrolabe deck. And I had to side into a different two color deck just because that card bricked my whole strategy so hard. So if you are green and you have a Collector Oof, I think it just needs to go in your main deck in sealed because there's a chance you just absolutely shut down your opponent's entire strategy with splashing off of Talismans or Astrolabe or Fountain of Icar. Yeah, there was someone in your chat, I think, who was like, you shouldn't change your whole deck just because you're playing against a collector roof that they could draw. And you were like, if they draw it, I lose. Yeah, that's a pretty important card to try to mitigate through sideboarding. And the last one is Thornado. This is the plummet card with cycling for one in a green. This is just a really great main deck card because it has cycling. I mean, if there was like, you know, a Forsake the Worldly or whatever, that's the, the two in a white disenchant that had cycling from Hour of Devastation or from Amonkhet. And like those kinds of cards that are just like A's out of your sideboard, but that you could cycle if they're dead draws are really strong and sealed. So if you're in green, I think a Thornado is probably going to make the cut more often than not. I think it definitely should make the cut. I built my first sealed pool deck with two Thornados in the sideboard, and I just started citing them in every round, and then I was like, wait a second. This should just be in the main deck. It has cycling. So I think almost all of the time, your Thornados should just be in your main deck as a probable Doom Blade, and then if it doesn't get there, you just cycle it. And I think that's just another nod to like how good flying is in the format, that if you don't have ways to deal with it. And it also frees up your other removal spells to be able to target like more synergy based stuff rather than like just needing the silver bullets for their flyers. Yep, I would agree with that. Are there any cards that you found yourself consistently citing in when you've been playing sealed? That's a really good question. I don't feel like I've been doing a lot of sideboarding, especially because a lot of times I'm trying to build blue green XXX multicolor good stuff deck. Like all of my good cards are usually in the main deck already i don't find myself swapping out single cards i feel like the the most often sideboarding decisions i make are to swap entire decks yeah i've been finding that as well the one card i find myself consistently wanting to sideboard is the green white hybrid destroy target artifactor enchantment nature's chant that card has been coming in out of the board a lot maybe to blow up the enchantment based removal maybe a winter's rest there are some really strong artifacts or enchantments running around there's future sight there's a Eula's Influence, that's the triple green discard a land card, make a 2-2 bear. There's a lot of engine type cards, Squirrel Nest, that are artifacts or enchantments. And I think those cards are really powerful and sealed. So access to artifact or enchantment destruction is really important, I found. I'll tell you what I always want to find, but doesn't exist in the set, is a way to like exile my opponent's graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much graveyard interaction in the set, and it doesn't seem like it, but just like shutting off a magmatic sinkhole or like stopping them from unearthing their first fear gargantua. Just there's a lot of little stuff that I'm like, man, I wish I could interact with their graveyard, but it doesn't exist. It really doesn't exist. It's too bad. This format's, I mean, I'm going to keep saying it. It's really sweet. I'm really enjoying like the puzzle of Sealed. And maybe it's just me like through playing more Sealed because of the podcast and because of prepping for a GP a few months ago. Maybe I'm just getting better at it and liking it more. But the puzzle of what decks you're supposed to build in this format especially is a really enjoyable one. And the games are super enjoyable. 
those are the two things that stick out to me about the seal format. I enjoy the process of the building, and I think there's a significant edge to be gained in building your deck right and even getting like the last 22nd or 23rd card right in your deck. So for example, I had a green-white deck the other day, and I had Eladomri's Call, the tutor that lets you search up any creature in my deck. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't have great targets for it. I had fine targets for it. Like I had a first sliver's chosen, the sliver that gives all your things exalted. I had an Aneurophage on the splash to go get. But ultimately, I ended up citing in Reprobation a lot, which is a card I am firmly against. But I think in Sealed is probably okay because sometimes you just need removal. And one time I had thought about swapping decks and I clicked back and I didn't have Reprobation in my deck anymore because it defaulted back to my main deck with Eladomri's Call. I ended up losing the game because Eladomri's Call wasn't Reprobation. So I think even getting those last 20 through 23rd cards right is really important when you're building. And the gameplay has been great. Again, I felt... My normal complaint about Sealed is that I don't feel like I have much agency over whether I win or lose, and I yes. feel like a lot of it gets dictated by my pool, and I'm just so frustrated. Both of us hate losing, and when I'm losing and I didn't have much choice over why I'm losing, I am just it's just a miserable experience for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I have a lot of agency in these games. I think I can generally build a deck that has the capability of winning games and can interact with what my opponent's doing. And the gameplay has been deep. My decisions matter. My opponent's decisions matter. There's a lot of counterplay going on, a lot of interaction. And I think the fact that you get rewarded so much for having removal and timing it right on your opponent's key cards that are really getting out of hand or are really going to lead to them snowballing with synergy really feels fun to me. Yeah, identifying what cards matter in the matchup is another skill. Like, I think there's just a there is a lot of agency, as you said, in deck building, in gameplay, in identifying what is important and what isn't in what your opponent is doing, and that all adds up to stuff where I feel like even when I like lose, I feel like I'm learning. I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. I like undervalued this, or like I really punted when I didn't. Like, I let them enable their ninjutsu when I didn't block, or I thought I was racing and I should have left back a blocker. Like all that stuff. This format just leads to a lot of thinking about the decisions you make every step of the way. I would say the number one punts I've made in this format in Sealed have been firing off removal spells on non-key creatures on my opponent's side for their synergy or their plan to win the game in order to push damage in the short term, but lacking the ability to close out the game. And then oftentimes my opponent plays their key synergy creature after that and I lose. So just making sure you know what matters. Yeah, that's another big thing. Yeah, for sure. I would say my biggest punt in the format is playing with the card Crypt Rats. <laughs> that card has wrecked me so hard. I It's so tough to know like whether you're supposed to dangle it on turn three, because then it feels like you, you're letting them know that you have a Wrath you can fire off, that they could kill before you get to fire it off. Are you supposed to play it pre-combat? Are you supposed to play it post-combat? Are you supposed to crack? I've, I've gotten wrecked by like cracking it on my turn, and then my opponent plays the like make three one one goblins and give them all haste and plus one plus one like i have had so many times where i'm like i screwed up with crypt rats that card is like i think much better in sealed than it is in draft i'd probably add it to that list but it's a a card that i have a real hard time playing correctly yeah it's tough i haven't played much with crypt rats at all i played against it in sealed and i have been very impressed by it on the other side of the battlefield be warned it is tough you're gonna have you gotta think about so many different things it's like 4d chess with crypt rats <laughs> all right i think that's a good place to wrap us up and again just another nod to this format normally i have a sealed pool that's dangling after we've done sealed prep for the podcast <laughs> that i wait like a month to go play i'm gonna jam it today on stream i really have been enjoying modern horizon sealed so thank you as always before we go to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give that a listen
Ben's going to go stream right now. Check us out on Twitch. He is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. I am at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and tune in later in the week. We will be releasing a short episode with our Corset 20 spoilers. Thank you so much to Watsi for the free preview content. Check that out later in the week. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks everybody. See you later. a shout out to two cards that have really impressed me which are windcaller aven and wall of swords windcaller aven as a threat you know that's just a must answer type card when your opponent plays it and wall of swords once that card comes down the game kind of stalls out pretty hard it blocks most things on the ground is it it's not oh that's the original card yeah (laughs) wall of swords is the three five flyer with defender that can't attack right yeah yeah what is this that's just the shortcut in my head uh it is called wall of of 1000 cuts wall of oh so fancy (laughs) 1000 cuts